Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. So good to be in church today. Welcome everybody. Good morning. And it's better with you here. So glad that you're here. My name is Ryland, pastor here at Rockbrook. I'm excited to close out this series uh, today. I so appreciated everyone's messages through the book of Proverbs and how each week, even though we're looking at the Proverbs of Solomon, we are led to Jesus Christ each week and his life and his wisdom. I pray that you'll be brought there today. Next week, of course, is Easter weekend. I've been inviting several people to our Easter weekend at Rockbrook. Really believe in the message and what God is doing. I just want to clearly express next week what Christ has done for you, what Easter means, why we can celebrate it uh, together, why it makes all the difference in the world. I'll tell you, if you just find yourself in a time and a season where you are exhausted with the things of earth and maybe just so focus on the on the problems of life, next week's going to be compelling for you and whomever you bring with you. But let's finish strong in this series of getting a grip on life from the book of Proverbs. Turn to your neighbors, say, get a grip, get a grip. Come on, let's get a grip. I'll remind you this from week one. I, I love this definition of wisdom. Hey, it was just three words, all right? Calm down. <laughs> if you're taking notes, you might write down this definition here. It was this, is that wisdom is what? Wisdom is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective. Like we have a life and we have a perspective on our life and our reality, but God also speaks into that and he gives us his perspective on life. And so we talked about in week one of how when you're really living in wisdom, you're seeing and you're responding to life from God's perspective on your life. And today we're gonna look at God's perspective on faith. And faith is a word that you hear a lot in church when it comes to living a life of faith. Uh, how does it work? Like this thing called faith, what does it feel like? How does it act? What does it do? I'll ask it this way. How do you know the difference between someone who's living a life of faith and someone who is not? How do you know the difference between when you are living a life of faith and when you are not living a life of of faith. And in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, there are a couple of verses that are just among the greatest verses in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 3 as a whole is amazing. It, it'll save your life. But these couple of verses even more so, and they tell us what real faith is about, how it works in our lives. I'll tell you that I've leaned on this passage many times in my life. It's been instrumental in a lot of decisions and a lot of seasons, whether it uh, was as a kid and just uh, in school and navigating that whole season of life and friendships and challenges and whether it was looking for a spouse and just trusting God with that, making money decisions, navigating loss and grief and pain just leaned on this verse in so many decisions of 
where to live and business decisions and all those kinds of things. And I hope as we look at this picture today uh, that you'll see not only what faith is, but it'll help you do what faith does. I want this to be practical message today. So let's look at it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. What a great word. I've made, I've made this verse, this proverb, like this is the message today. This is the outline of the message today. We're just going to go line by line through, through this thing and we'll walk through each line of this powerful passage and see what faith does. Let's walk through it together. First it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does it mean, what does it mean to trust? Well, anytime you put your trust in something or someone, it involves a four-letter word. Yes, anytime you trust something or someone with all your heart, it involves a four-letter word. I'm not sure what four-letter word comes to mind. You might be thinking of the word love. Oh, yes, thank you, Pastor. That's the four-letter word. I was thinking when you were saying four-letter words, that was the word love. Uh, yes, it does involve love, but I'm thinking of a different word. Anytime you put your trust, trust involves risk. You have to risk in order to, tr all of life is a risk. Whatever you do in life, every time you wade into life and get into life, don't miss this. What I mean by that is when you enter into life rather than try to escape it, there is risk in that. And many of us are trying to escape life. Uh, things are heavy. Things are hard. And so we want to hold those things at arm's length. We want to hold people at arm's length. We want to turn to things that help us forget or remove the sting of life or remove the pain that we're feeling. Or, or we want to enter into things that take us from the realities of life. And so the greatest risk of all is to enter in to life, to wade into it. The greatest risk of all is the risk of relationship. And the greatest risk in a relationship is relating to God. Because it takes trust, it takes pure faith. The greatest risk in adventure in life is that of a relationship, especially a relationship to God. Is the risk worth it? You know, we weigh risk and reward. It, is there enough reward for the you bet You better believe there is, yeah. Jesus taught us that the greatest mistake in life is to play it safe and to not take the risk of relating to God. It says this in Matthew 16. You can look at it with me on your notes or on the screen. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If you try to play it safe, uh, you'll lose all that you actually really wanted in life, all that you were created for. But if you risk it, if you risk it in a relationship with God, you'll find everything you ever wanted. 
If you're taking notes, write this in, and that is that faith is risking. What risk of faith are you right on the edge of right now? Maybe it's the risk that uh, you've been leaning into the things of God lately, and you're hearing about Jesus Christ, and you're thinking, you know what, there is something to this, and there's more to this than, uh, than maybe I thought before, and I'm being drawn to it. But there's also something in you that wants to retreat from it, and it's a little scary. But you've come to the point that you've found that God is faithful, and God loves you. God has been faithful to you. He'll be faithful to you in the future. There's a church that cares about you. Are you going to retreat? Are you going to turn away? Are you going to take the risk of faith and follow it through to the end? Take the risk. Maybe it's the greatest risk of faith God is challenging you to take right now. And that is to step across the line to say, I'm following him. I'm giving up my own way to follow him. I want to live my life for you. This is a huge subject when we talk about faith. So with each of these, I just wanted to give kind of a practical place to get started or a practical principle to think about. And that is when the risk of faith, the principle is this, exercise the 80-20 principle. It's what I call the 80-20 principle. And that is, if you'll do the 80% that God clearly shows us to do in his word, he'll show you, he'll help you make sense of the 20% that's not so clear. He's clear, like, God's will for us, there are things that are so clear. We wonder, what does God want me to do with my life? What's God's will for my life? There are things that are so clear. It's clear that he wants us to believe in Jesus for eternal life. He's clear that he wants us to be thankful. He's clear that he wants us to be generous. He's clear that he wants us to have integrity in our life and in our business. Things that are clear about how to treat our family, how to build character, things to do, things not to do, things to go toward, things to stay away from. And, and maybe 80% of the Christian life and of life is pretty simple in terms of God saying, here's what to do, here's how to act. But there's this part that isn't so clear things that don't make sense to us yet. Why would God say that? Why would God do it that way? And the other parts that don't make sense so quickly, I would submit that if you will do the parts that are clear, that God says, man, hold this faithful, honor these things, do this, God will help make sense the things that are not so clear. Do what you know you are to do, and he will make parts that clear the parts that you don't know yet. But we get desperate, and we say, God, man, why don't you just tell me where to live? Why don't you tell me uh, where to work? And then, and we'll do crazy things, and like, you want to talk about risk. Like, we'll say, I heard from a guy once, he was just so desperate, he goes, God, the next song on the radio, that's how you're going to tell me what to do with my life. And like, talk about, I mean, the risk of God isn't near (laughs) near the risk of that. If you'll do the 80% that God will show you, the 20%, like he'll protect you from taking foolish risks that are bad for you. And it will give you the strength to take God's risks in your life that are good for you. And there are things that man, early on in my faith, man, I wouldn't have decided it that way. I don't know why God is so, so concerned about that, but I'm going to submit to his ways. And I tell you, as I walk with God, it has become clearer and clearer why God would say that, why God would want it that way. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Next, lean not on your own understanding. Now Proverbs 14, 12, 
uh, is going to say this the opposite way. Uh, let's, let's read it out loud together. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. How many of you have had the experience of knowing for sure that you are absolutely right about something, only to find out you were dead wrong? And anyone who's married, their hand goes up, right? Man, I've had those moments where like, no, I'm sure it's this way. No, it's absolutely certain this way. And the more certain that she's certain that it's not that way, the more certain I become it is that way. And, and then it turns out I'm, I'm dead wrong. And it's humbling, isn't it? It's when you get into those moments where you're so sure, but you find out you were wrong. It happens so often in our lives. We think we know we're right, but we end up dead wrong because our reasoning, our thinking isn't always enough. I love this, a guy by the name of Charles Kettering. Uh, he was the head of research at General Motors for a while. And uh, so his job, I mean, is to solve problems. And when he would bring in his engineers to solve a difficult problem, he put a little sign outside the door that said, leave calculators and slide rules here. And there was a little table for the engineers to put down their tools. Because he knew that if those engineers came in with all their calculations, all their slide rules and everything, Charles would say, here's the solution, or here's the vision, or here's the thing that we, we want to do. And they would all say, uh, no, we can't do that. Like, we can't afford that. We can't make that work. And here's why. And that's what we do with God so often. And there's, there's a moment in our lives where we need a sign that says, uh, leave your human reasoning here. And it's not that God doesn't use our human reasoning or use our intellect. He'll use every bit of it, absolutely. But he has a reasoning and he has an intellect because he's God. And it goes, it goes farther than ours. And there's, an, there's a moment in our lives where we've got to lean on his understanding even more than the way we can figure life out on our own. God knows our heart. God knows what we need. But he often has a different way of giving us what we need than we would expect. For instance, Jesus told his disciples, if you want to be great, be the servant of all. That's not how I do that one. That's not how I would figure that one out. Uh, Jesus says, if you want to be truly free, free indeed, uh, then you need to pick up your cross and follow me. That's not how I would figure out freedom. That's not the way I would think about freedom. But God says, well, I have a different way than your way. And there's a moment of life when you say, God, I'm going to trust your way. That's the way of faith. I'll put it this way if, if you're taking notes. That is that faith is relying. It's relying on God. It's leaning on him. It's saying God's way, not my way in my life. Now, faith is I want to make this clear today. Faith is not about your personality. A lot of people think that faith is about being optimistic. Uh, it's not about being optimistic, pessimistic. It's not about being positive all the time. Faith is not about whether you're uh, an optimist or pessimist or how you see the glass half full or half empty. Uh, that's, that's not it. Faith is about looking at something and seeing, you know what, how I view it, whether I see it half full or half empty, at the end of the day, it's held in the hands of God. 
And so yes, someone might be more optimistic as they look at it. Someone might be more pessimistic as they look at it. But at the end of the day, they're saying, well, however I see it, God has a perspective on it. And God is taking care of me. That person knows that no matter what happens in life, I can rely on God. I can trust Him. It's not about your personality. It's about where you are leaning in life. Now, how do you do that? How do you make this work in everyday life? And uh, I've just been giving you some more verses here from Proverbs 3. And a little bit further down in Proverbs 3, verse 9, it introduces a principle. And it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Honor the Lord with my wealth. Honor the Lord with what I produce. I thought this was a message about faith. thought this was a passage about faith. Faith is something that is personal. Faith is also something that's very practical. So what can I, what can I apply to say, how can I know if I'm relying on God? Here's a principle that you can exercise, and that is the 90-10 principle. The 90-10 principle is this. If I'll give the first to God, if I'll give the first of my wealth to God, the first of my income to God, if I'll give the first 10% to Him, if I involve Him in the attitude of my finances, I can rely on Him. It shows me, it's proof to me, that I'm relying on Him and trusting in him and he promises that he will be faithful in that and this is normally where the slide rules and the calculators come out to say I can't do that and why did God give us the principle of the tithe of 10% because it's an, at least enough to challenge my faith to challenge your faith and if I don't involve God in my finances I, I can't deepen God to every area of my life because money is touching so many areas of my life. And, but when I say to God, I want to trust you in this area, God says, you can trust me. Rely on me. Watch what I'll do. Don't lean on your own understanding, but lean on God. Before we move on, because finances uh, just touch so many parts of our life, I want to be the one to give you this announcement this week that we're offering a 10-week course to give you uh, the step-by-step -step path to uh, help you relieve, uh, reach your financial goals, God's ways, and more importantly, steps to financial peace. I can't think of a better time right now than financial peace is needed in our life. So this class is going to meet on, on Sundays starting April 24th. It's going to meet in the early afternoon there starting at 1245, and we're excited to offer child care for this event. It's going to run to June 26th. Let me tell you two things about this class. One is, again, I can't think of a better time than right now with all the volatility in the economy, a better time to be taking steps toward peace in your finances. And secondly, I would submit to you that this would help your relationship with God. Recently, I was just reflecting on the things in my life that have had the biggest impact on my life. Like what books... What conferences, what small group curriculums, what sermons, what sermon series, what teachings have had the biggest impact on my life, on my marriage, on my relationships? And I would absolutely put this course on, on the list. So there's a practical step for many of us to take. I'm going to lean, not on my own understanding, but lean on God. Faith is relying. 
Let's continue through Proverbs chapter 3. It says, in all your ways, in all your ways, submit to him. What does it mean? Why, why would we submit to God? Because it's, he loves us. Because it's good for us. Because it'll make you blessed. It'll make you happy. It will revive us. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. Let's read this one out loud together. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. You know, we often only think of discipline when we've messed up, when things have gone awry. And that's because we often confuse the word punishment and the word discipline. But God, a parent, a coach, will discipline someone, correct someone, even when they're doing a lot of things right. Uh, I, I heard uh, uh, from a lady recently who, uh, she was talking about her two kids, her two adult kids. And one of them was very compliant, one of them uh, was much more wild. And she says, you know, I wish I would have disciplined the compliant child much more. And the guy that was talking to her says, well, what do you mean? Why would you, why would you discipline him if he's being compliant, if he's doing the right things? She says, no, you're, you're confusing punishment and discipline. She says, I, I wish I would have uh, corrected him more. I wish I would have interrupted him while he was playing on his own and asked him to go get me a drink of water. I, I wish I would have interrupted his way to teach him how to bend his will and how to submit to another person, she says, because the kid who was wild has grown up and because he received so much discipline, he knows how to be corrected. He knows how to, to submit his will at work, knows how to submit his will to God, but the one who is compliant uh, didn't learn those lessons, didn't learn that way to be interrupted in what they were doing and submit to someone else. A guy in my small group talks about how he had a coach who was always on him. And uh, someone that he, he looked up to, but the guy was just starting to get irritated with all the correction and direction from his coach and thinking, man, am I getting this right? And I guess I can never make this guy happy. And the coach says, no, 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 no. When I stop correcting you, that's when to get worried. That's when I've given up. My correcting you means I see something in you. I'm pushing you towards something. I'm pushing you toward that thing. And Man, we need to let God lead us, correct us. And oftentimes God is calling us to something and we will reject God because we're saying, no, this isn't a bad thing what I'm doing. And we're not submitting in all our ways, the good and the bad, to God and submitting to Him. This is what faith is. Faith is, regardless of how I view it, faith is obeying, obeying God. Faith is activated when I act. So here's my encouragement, and I'm, I'm changing the way I phrase this here on purpose. And how do you do this? I would submit this, struggle with the 100% principle. What's the 100% principle? 
It's that God would rather have us struggling to give 100% of our lives to Him than succeeding in giving a large portion. Sometimes we have this one area of life that's walled off. And we put it back here. And we'll let God touch all of this, but we wall off this one area. But that one area becomes a cancer and it affects the rest of life. God would rather have us having struggling, failing to give 100% than to be content with holding this portion from Him altogether. So what's the one area? What's the one area that God hasn't been allowed into? I believe this is one of the marks of this church. That we're very real. Like, yes, there are many things that we could do that we could keep from church, we could keep from our small group, we could keep from God, and it would make us look a lot better and make us look a lot more Christian. But we bring it all to God because we want our whole lives submitted to God. So what's that one area that's popped into your mind that maybe you've even thought about before, and I'm just not letting him into this, this spot. What popped into your mind that you're trying to push it out of your mind, and you're thinking, well, there's no way he could be talking about that. But I didn't bring it up. You did. Like, I haven't even mentioned an area. You thought of an area. It came into your mind. God brought it into your mind because he loves you, and he delights in you. And when I grab for instant happiness I always end up feeling empty but when I decide to obey yes it may be hard in that moment but it brings a deeper level of my relationship with God it brings a deeper level more lasting happiness in my life in my family so what's the area that's come to mind don't reject it out of your mind and struggle with submitting in all your ways to God you know, we believe that church should be a place where you kind of get the, the wings of faith, that you, we help you learn to have faith. And you know, when we think about the steps that we have in our growth track, and uh, those classes are to help you, to encourage you, to be a catalyst to have faith in your whole life. And church should be a place, like I said, where you sort of sprout these wings of faith so you can carry it out into practical steps in your church, in your family, in your life, in your everyday world. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, uh, submit to him. And let's look at this last one. And he will make your paths straight. What does that mean? He will make your paths straight. Well, the opposite of a straight path is, well, let's hang on a second. A straight path doesn't mean a perfect life. It doesn't mean a problem-free life. It means that I get from point A to point B, God's way. The opposite of a straight path is a crooked path. A path that just wanders, it never arrives. A path that's not on mission. And therefore, because it's not on mission, it resolves itself to crooked ways, to deceitful ways. The literal crooked path reminds me of a path or road that's just got many meandering loops and bends and, and, and you just loop back around on the thing. You never get anywhere. There's twists and turns. There's obstacles in the way. Or maybe you get there, but it just required so much more energy than it needed to. Do you feel like there's paths in your life that are crooked? That 
Your eyes aren't wide open on a destination and on a mission, but they're focused simply on the problems, simply on the obstacles. No one gets on the straight path except through Jesus Christ. And Christ doesn't say he'll make you healthy and make you wealthy. And uh, he doesn't say he'll remove all the obstacles. He doesn't say he'll make you comfortable or popular or thin. That's not what this verse means. It says it means he'll take your feet out of the muck, out of the mire, out of the mud, out of the clay, and place it up on a solid rock. That he'll take your path that is crooked, that never arrives, that's just constantly frustrating, that has no hope, and he'll make it straight. He'll make it narrow. He'll give it purpose. I love Psalm 34, 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who trust in him. The joys of those who take refuge in him. And I just want us to think for a moment that if we don't take the risk of faith, what are we giving up? What security, what peace in your heart are you giving up? What joy are you giving up? I'll tell you, I struggle to have faith, <laughs> faith like this, each day, just like you struggle. But I look back over my life and I think if I hadn't taken those small risks of faith that God challenged in my life, what would I have given up? I wouldn't have the growth. I wouldn't have the change. I, I, I wouldn't be standing here looking at you today and enjoying what God is doing in all of our lives. None of that would be part of my life. He will make your path straight. What is faith? Faith is expecting. It's expecting God to act. I love that word expecting. I didn't even really think about it until uh, my wife was pregnant uh, years ago and this guy says to us, um, oh, see, so y'all are pregnant. And I said, well, no, not y'all are pregnant. She's pregnant. Uh, she's pregnant. I'm not, I'm not pregnant. And he says, well, you both are expecting. And uh, I was like, well, yeah, I guess we, we both are expecting. Yeah. And then I started to think about that. And I just got, I just loved that. Like we're expect, we are both expecting something to happen. And it is going to happen whether we are expecting or not or whether we're ready or not. It's going to happen. And so we better be about the business of expecting and preparing and looking forward to this thing. And we better get ready for it. The opposite of expecting is disregard or neglect. I don't want to live with disregard or neglect. I want to live with expectation. Do you know anyone that's living their life neglecting God, disregarding the realities of God in life? They're not living expecting, expecting God to act, and he will. We are to live with expectation because God is returning. Christ Jesus will fulfill all this. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. So how do I experience his faithfulness? How do I expect God to act in my life? You do it this way. You do it one day at a time. Write that in. One day at a time. 
Maybe one problem at a time, one relationship at a time, one step at a time. Because this is the reality of life you can only do today. Like, I would love to have great faith for the rest of my life. I can't do that. I can only have great faith today. I would love to be a great father for the rest of my life. I can't do that. I can only be a great father today. I love to be a, a great pastor uh, for decades to come. I cannot do that. I can only be a great pastor today, right now, in this moment. I'd love to be a great spouse for the rest of my life. I can't do that, but I can be a great spouse today. And sometimes we put so much expectation, so much pressure on all these things for the rest of our life, but just feel the weight fall and say, you know, I can't do that. I can do today. I, I would love to uh, uh, be broken free of habits, addictions, sins in my life that still nag, still problem. I'd love to be free from that for the rest of my life. I can't, but I can be free from it today. I can find freedom in Jesus Christ today. And you can do that. You can expect God to act. You can have faith today and expect him to act today. How do I know that? How do I know that God cares about you? How do I know that you can expect God to work on your behalf? Because he left heaven and came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. And he lived the perfect life that you could not live. And he said, I want to be a work in your life. He suffered the physical, emotional, spiritual anguish on that cross that you deserved. He died in your place because he loves you, because he can work in your life, because he has a plan for your life. And he raised himself from the dead to say to you, I can give you new life. I can give you eternal life. You can expect me to act in your life because I've already solved your biggest problem. Because I've already worked in your life in the most powerful way. If you'll come to Christ and you'll trust and believe in him. As we close, would you please read Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 out loud with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Let's pray together. I don't know where that verse needs to be believed in your life. I don't know what you're going through, what pain you're experiencing, uh, what confusion there is in your life. Of why is this happening? Why would God allow this to happen? But I believe right now you could just make a personal moment with you and God right now. You could take the risk of faith. To say, God, I, I don't understand it all. But I'm choosing as much as I know how today in my circumstance to live a life of faith. Today. Not days from now, not years from now. But in this moment that I'm in right now. To say to God, God, I don't even know what all this means, but I know enough that I can trust you. And our Father, we thank you that you are a God we can trust. A thousand generations have trusted you, and we can trust you today. 
Jesus, you came to this earth to show us how much you love us, how much you want to be part of our lives so you can bring the joy that you made us for, the significance that you created us for, so that you could go prepare a place for us. God, we thank you that this is not all there is. And there will be a day where you wipe every tear and you make all things right. And Lord, you know that we have fear when it comes to trusting you. It's not easy for us at times. I I pray today that you give us the strength of heart to look to you, to have faith, the faith to risk, the faith to rely, the faith to obey, the faith to expect. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.